the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. The program, of course, is Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is of, we call it the intersection of uh, Christian faith and Christian living. This is the program where doctrine meets duty and belief meets behavior. This is the program with you in mind, and we try to ask and find answers to the questions that you care the most about, questions about God and the historical Jesus. We try to find answers to questions about worldviews and world religions. If you'd like to join me on the program, the number is 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. We've got a lot to talk about today, including uh, some headlines, and I'm keeping a close watch on this growing conflict between the state of Texas and the Biden administration. Earlier, I had reported that the United States Supreme Court had rendered a decision that marks a significant turn um, in this drama, this saga. And by a slim margin of five to four, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of allowing federal border agents to dismantle the razor wire. Now, again, a careful reading of the um, the decision by the Supreme Court basically said that in the hierarchy of protections, the federal government takes precedent. It literally said the federal government could dismantle the razor wire should it choose to do so. And so the big question now will become, will they choose to do so? Will the federal government order the fortifications that the state of Texas have put along its border, will they tear it down or will it continue to be in limbo. If if my understanding of the news is correct, Texas has ordered that another 30 miles of razor wire be added to the Texas-Mexico border. So it, it should be interesting. Texas passed and funded a law last month making illegal immigration into the state a crime as well as a state crime as well as a federal crime. So the juxtaposition of course is, is illegal immigration a crime? And of course the answer is it is a crime, which the federal government has chosen not to prosecute. So we're going to have more on that in just a moment. But again, if you want to join me on the program, It's 303-873-1935. I want to read from the American Minute. These are notable events of American significance remembered 
on the date that they occurred by William Federer. And he writes, interestingly, for today's date, January 25th, in his State of the Union address, January 25th, 1984, President Ronald Reagan stated, quote, each day your members observe a 200-year-old tradition meant to signify America is one nation under God, I must ask. If you can begin your day with a member of the clergy standing right here leading you in prayer, then why can't freedom to acknowledge God be enjoyed again by children in every schoolroom across the land? A month later, in his radio address dated February 25th, 1984, President Reagan stated, quote, The First Amendment of the Constitution was not written to protect the people from religion. That amendment was written to protect religion from government tyranny. But now we're told our children have no right to pray in school. Nonsense. The pendulum has swung too far toward intolerance against genuine religious freedom. It's time to register the balance, unquote. So President Reagan continued, quote, Former Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart noted, if religious exercises are held to be impermissible activity in schools, religion is placed at an artificial and state-created disadvantage. Refusal to permit religious exercise is seen not as the realization of state neutrality, but rather as the establishment of a religion of secularism, unquote. This is from Ronald Reagan in 1984. Basically, what he basically was saying, they've moved from the arena of neutrality to hostility. Now, the current governor of the state of Texas has made a decision. And the decision is to ignore the Supreme Court ruling and affirm the Constitution of the United States. And so Governor Abbott critical of the federal government's efforts or the lack thereof in securing the border, he began to take aggressive steps to fortify it. He deployed state troops. He seized land along the Rio Grande. He erected barriers, including razor wire, to keep what at least he perceived as a surge in illegal immigration And so the dispute over the razor wire escalated with the Department of Justice, and they filed a lawsuit in January challenging the state's actions. The Department of Justice argued that the Customs and Border Protection agents must have, without warrant, access to all land within 25 miles of the border. And the Department of Justice contended that the razor wire was not only a physical obstruction, but a hindrance to the agency's ability to fulfill its responsibilities. Now think about that. Barricades to keep illegal alien 
out was argued by the United States government's Department of Justice that it creates a mechanism whereby law enforcement, Border Patrol agents were unable to do their job. But again, what I'm wondering is, how did they demonstrate that? And of course, the Texas governor continued to advocate for the right of Texas to secure its own border, and his administration's stance was reiterated, echoed by other Republican figures, like Representative Andy Biggs, who commented, quote, Texas was finally beginning to regain control of its border with Mexico when it took matters into its own hands. He said the Biden administration is going to do anything it can to destroy America's sovereignty, unquote. That's the Texas representative's opinion. So is that really what's happening and how far will it go? And what does the Supreme Court's ruling really mean? How has Texas interpreted it? And will will this lead to actual physical combat? And the governor released an amazing date yesterday, which I'm going to try to get to. But if you want to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. The statement is alarming. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I've been talking about the border eruption that's happened over the last several days and this leading up to what might arguably be, and I'm wondering why more people aren't talking about this. Um, This is an amazing set of circumstances, and how will the United States of America handle it? The governor of the state, the, the great state of Texas, Governor Greg Abbott, issued this statement, and I'm quoting him. He said, quote, the federal government has broken the compact between the United States and the states. The executive branch of the United States as a constitutional duty to enforce federal laws protecting states, including immigration laws, on the books right now. President Biden has refused to enforce those laws and has even violated them. The result is that he has smashed records for illegal immigration. Despite having been put on notice in a series of letters, one of which I delivered to him by hand, President Biden has ignored Texas's demand that he perform his constitutional duties. President Biden has violated his oath to faithfully execute immigration laws enacted by Congress instead of prosecuting immigrants for the federal crime of illegal entry. President Biden has sent his lawyers into federal courts to sue Texas for taking action to secure the border. 
President Biden has instructed his agencies to ignore federal statutes that mandate the detention of illegal immigrants. The effect is to illegally allow their en masse parole into the United States. By wasting taxpayer dollars to tear open Texas border security infrastructure, President Biden has enticed illegal immigrants away from the 28 legal entry points along the state's southern border, bridges where nobody drowns into the dangerous waters of the Rio Grande. Under President Biden's lawless border policies, more than 6 million illegal immigrants have crossed our southern border in just three years. Pause in his statement. I'm pausing in his statement and I'm commenting. That is a very conservative estimate. Some people suggest that the number is more like 9 million. But whether it's 9 million or 6 million, the way that I think I would characterize his argument is minimum 6 million, possibly 9 million, but pause. And now I'm returning to the governor's statement and listen carefully. He said, that's more than the population of 33 different states in this country. This illegal refusal to protect the states has inflicted unprecedented harm on the people all across the United States. The governor then says, quote, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and other visionaries who wrote the United States Constitution foresaw that states should not be left to the mercy of a lawless president who does nothing to stop external threats like cartels smuggling millions of illegal immigrants across the border. That's why the framers included both Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, which promises that the federal government shall protect each state against invasion. And Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which acknowledges, quote, the state's sovereign interest in protecting their borders. He cites Arizona v. United States, 567 U.S. 387, 419, 2012, Scalia, Justice Scalia dissenting. Now, he says, quote, the failure of the Biden administration to fulfill the duties imposed by Article 4, Section 4, has triggered Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which reserves to this state the right of self-defense. For these reasons... I have already declared an invasion under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 to invoke Texas constitutional authority to defend and protect itself. That authority is the supreme law of the land, 
and supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. The Texas National Guard, the Texas Department of Public Safety, and other Texas personnel are acting on that authority, as well as state law, to secure the Texas border, unquote. So, what in the world does that mean? What are the legal remedies? What might the consequences look like in the days ahead? This is something I think unbelievably important. So, 303-873-1935. Before we go, I do want to remind you that you can make the decision right now to get lasting relief from that awful joint pain for 2024. Don't go another year compromising because of that pain in your knees or shoulders. Call QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative non-surgical pain relief. Your body has what it needs to restore and repair that damaged joint tissue, and QC Kinetics can make it happen without drugs, without surgery, without downtime. So the future of pain treatment has arrived, and QC has tens of thousands of satisfied patients all over America, people with back pain, hip pain, any pain associated with arthritis or an injury. This isn't a Band-Aid. It's a revolutionary treatment that can get you moving again. You can get your life back. And listen, it's non-surgical. If this is the year you've decided to fight back against the pain, well, now might be the best time to call for a consultation. Get it on the calendar. Call 303-900-8986. That's 303-900-8986. And so... Lots and lots going on. And um, I'm thinking about the true implications of this. And I'm not the only one. A number of different outlets are asking the question of what's going to happen. So the governor has literally declared an invasion And the Democrats are calling on this president of the United States to seize control of the Texas National Guard. And so the standoff between the state of Texas and the Biden administration over immigration enforcement seems to be heating up. And like I said, after reading the governor's declaration, He has told the people of Texas and the people in his state that he has a constitutional, not just right to defend itself, but an obligation to defend itself against invasion. And what he sees as the federal government's refusal to let him exercise his constitutional obligations. And so that stunning statement that he said yesterday, 
the federal government has broken the compact between the United States and the states. I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if he really means it. I have every reason to believe that he has. And how do you repair that broken compact? This is Gino Geraci, 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back. 303-873-1935-303-873-1935. That's my number if you'd like to join me in the program. Happy to take your call. Let's see who's up. Nels, welcome to the program. Hello, hello. How's it going? It's going good. It's an interesting turn of events which happening all around us. Yeah, isn't it? Um, so I'm a, kind of a new listener, but already a huge fan. Um, what I just wanted to know what your thoughts about, uh, I'm kind of new to, you know, obeying the laws of the land. Uh, uh-huh. It wasn't always good, you know, try to do doing the right thing. I'm, um, to further elaborate just a little bit, I'm two, uh, two and a half years sober. Um, Congratulations. Born, uh, thank you. Born again. Um, but, uh, my thought, my, my question for you was, um, now, as far as, like, the southern border issue that we're having, what do you think as far as, uh, like, uh, like, compassion, like holding compassion yeah, and, what, you know, like what, yeah. allowing people? What a, what a great question. Yeah, what a great question. And so I think that there's a, a number of different ways of thinking about your question. You know, obviously, what does the Bible say about illegal immigration? How should a Christian respond to illegal immigrants? How do we incorporate compassion? And let me just give you, from an argument standpoint, I'm happy to talk about any and all of those things, but let me, let's talk about compassion just for a second, okay? In the 21st century, there's been a global displacement. So let me put things in, in perspective for our listener and for you. Do you know how many pending asylum applications are have been filed with the United States government right at this very moment? The how, how many pending? How many people have, have applied for asylum? Do you have any idea how many? I'm sure it's quite a few. 1.3 million. <laughs> 1.3 million people have applied for asylum. Now, I, now I'm, I'm going to give you just another startling st- statistic. How long do you think it takes for them to get their case heard? Where they receive the petition, they set a court date, and, and they hear, hear it. Six to eight months, probably. 4.25 years. Oh, wow. And so here we have this situation. And I'm and, and by saying that, I'm not saying, oh, it's a good thing or it's a bad thing. I'm not I'm not saying any of those things. But but I'm I'm gonna just again argue your case just for a moment, okay? Why are people coming to the United States of America? Well, I would imagine the American dream, it's probably better than you know, a lot of the countries, well, maybe some cities and whatnot from, you know, the southern, you know, Mexico and the cartel situation and just yeah, they're coming maybe from all for over a better the- life for their family and, you know, right. 
they're coming from all over the world. I happen to be the son of an immigrant. My father came here in 1948, and my grandfather. My grandfather and my father came here after World War II from Italy, from Sicily, at the close of World War II. So this is something that is near and dear to me in the sense of I have, I have a heightened sensitivity and compassion. Now, having said that, both of all of my family entered legally. They did not enter illegally. But now, so so fast forward with Congress passed when my family came here in 1980. This is way before the 1980. But in 1980, Congress passed what's called the Refugee Act, okay? It codified basic protections into law, enshrining a global commitment to asylum, which emerged after the tragedy of the Holocaust. So, again, that's the historical moment. You'll remember Jews were killed by the millions. World War II displaced a lot of people. Fast forward to the 21st century, and we have this global displacement. Multiple nations across the Western Hemisphere destabilized by a number of different factors. Uh, totalitarianism, political assassination, natural disaster, um, what you talked about, powerful transnational criminal organizations and cartels, global shock, uh, currency collapses, a global pandemic. So I think what, to, to your point, we one of two things has to happen. We have to literally re- organize our immigration system. Now, whatever you choose to do, whatever you choose to do, well, choose wisely and choose appropriately and choose compassionately. Now, as you can imagine, illegal immigration is a volatile issue all over the world, okay? But if I'm going to sneak into a country, and by the way, I'm, I'm just for the record, I illegally entered Panama. You know, want to know why? I would love to know why. Because uh, I was robbed and my passport was stolen in Bogota, Colombia. So what do I do? Pretty well traveled then, huh? But, but you see, here, so, so am I, if you've only listened a little while, do I, do I, do I come off as a lawbreaker? No, not, not at all. Well, I, I broke I mean, the law. I went, I, uh, yeah. situations, you know. Yeah, see, see we for, have to. Know, different people. Yeah, yeah, we have to take things into consideration. So when I arrived in Panama without a passport, I said, what do you do with illegal aliens? You know what they told me? Yeah. They said, we put you in jail. So here's your options. You can go to jail. You can call the American consulate, or you can purchase a ticket to Miami right now. So you know what I chose to do? I purchased a ticket to Miami. I, yeah, I purchased a ticket to Miami, but I don't have a passport. Now how am I going to get into the country? <laughs> See, you're laughing, oh, but, but you... Yeah, so there's a pickle. So now I, I fly in. I'm in Miami. There's There's the border patrol. And they said, I said, I don't have my passport. They said, why? I said, I got robbed in Bogota, Colombia. And you know what the passport agent said? 
He said, it's a good day if you only get robbed and you don't get kidnapped. He said, welcome home. Oh, wow. Yes. So he understood the situation big time because he they probably have a lot of that situation, that stuff going on, you know. Well, and, and again, so if we say broadly and compassionately, should people obey the law? The answer is yes. How do should prosperous nations have compassionate immigration laws? To your point, my answer is absolutely. But did you know that there's nothing in the Bible that requires a nation to have compassionate immigration laws, but it does it does say you should obey the law. Now the Bible uh there's nothing in the Bible that contradicts a nation setting and enforcing its own immigration policy because immigration laws don't violate God's word. So, so, so the, the challenge then becomes how do we approach this problem? Now, again, to the governor's point, there's a difference between a group of people desperate to come in but what do you do when six to nine million people come in less than three years? Yeah. See, what that's you... kind of where I was like thinking about, uh, you know, Jesus had said, you know, if you obey me, you know, we're called to obey the laws of the land. And, but then again, on the other hand, there's, you know, well, what about that family who's, you know, who's under, you know, duress? Under, uh, yeah, so, yes, yeah, exactly. So here So the first obligation of a Christian is to express Christ likeness in our thoughts, words, and our deeds. We have an obligation to love everyone and have compassion for everyone. And maybe the most loving and compassionate thing that we can do sometimes is ask people to obey the law. Yeah. I mean they're in place for a reason, right? Well, that's another that's another issue. That's another issue that I might address when I come back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. And I was going to make a statement from Acts chapter 17 to the caller's point earlier, and that is when wherever we find ourselves, according to Paul, <laughs> according to the apostle Paul, God places each and every person in the place that they are, in the family that they are, in the circumstance that they are, so that they could know God and know Christ and be saved from their sin. Now, some people might argue, are you, are you sure that's what the Bible says? And my answer would be, uh, yeah, I, I am sure that according to Paul, when he was speaking at the Areopagus in Athens, he pointed out as he was making his argument that God has placed people in the nations where he placed them, not so that they wouldn't know God, but so that they would know God. And so in the 21st century and what's happening right now, is it different from 1948 when my 
father and grandfather came here. In 1980, the United States of America passed the Refugee Act, codifying basic refugee protections into law. And like I said, well, now what do you do when you have 1.3 million legal asylum applications with a 4.2-year waiting list? And the number of people seeking asylum, do you think it's shrinking or do you think it's growing? And so the failure to build a modern and functional system of humanitarian protections hasn't, hasn't happened. So if you go, well, this is, this is uh, the Democrats' fault. I, I, I'm not here to advocate what the Democrats are doing. In other words, for, for the Democrats to just simply say, let them come, just whatever, just let them come, that's probably not the most effective way to deal with the problem. And for the Republican who says, we're going to put razor wire and and we're, we're going to make sure that this flood of illegal aliens stops. So I didn't even talk about the other issues. So you've got 1.3 million asylum applications. You've got 750,000 immigration courts with 600,000 people at U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. The average asylum case takes four over four years. And then you have people in legal limbo wondering whether or not they're going to be deported. Now, that's not to say that bad actors aren't coming and how bad are those bad actors. So rather than investing in a sustained strategy to come up with some sort of appropriate policy to where we are right now, are we literally on the verge of a civil war? Could it happen? So, happy to talk about what does the Bible say? Now, again, to the caller's earlier point, can we have a discussion that's compassionate and merciful and still biblical? I think so. Let's see who's up. Is it Daniel? Daniel, welcome to the program. Gino, this is Daniel Paul, your little brother in the Lord, Italian, and uh, I just wanted to say my Dan- my friend, my pastor calls me Daniel Paul, the Protestant Pope, but I wanted to firm up these things in the oh, political like climate. <laughs> <laughs> you say, he called me the Protestant Pope. I wanted to get a laugh out of you. I mean, my friend just prayed. Um, he's had he has a least Lacie Daystar background. He um he's uh. He got a communication degree out of DU. He's right here. We just prayed, and 
and he said something really uh, poignant in the uh, prayer as far as you've always received, received me with love. You minister to me break to break um, as far as uh, when I was at COVID. But I just wanted to let you know that uh, um, my, my uh, journey, and actually I know, uh, God, I've been in the spirit for like 72 hours, and God definitely showed me your uh, gave a brother definitely gave me a word brother about you about about national i didn't hear anybody say it i hear it in my spirit national and i know how the platform and how you're going to stick out in the mall in washington dc i got the names of the uh pastors i call it the potpourri of preachers in mile high stadium the mile high revival here you go you ready? Joel Osteen. Yeah. Brother, the, brother, come on. This is I a person whose, whose ministry I cannot recommend under any circumstance. Who's that? Joel Osteen. Really? Really. Okay, well, then you know what? Then uh, we'll have to pencil them out and get someone else in. Well, again, uh, you know, when you ask and you answer the question, what is it about him that you find attractive and biblical? You know what? You know what? I'll just say this. I'll just say this. When he when he ministers, you know, I think he has a spirit of excellence. I think that um, his, his his heart is 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 good. When he and his and his 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 heart breaks and it's contrite, I believe he's humble. I've seen him in venues that you probably haven't seen him in because. You have to. You have a lot of responsibility in your life, and if people say he's a false teacher and a false prophet, well, then, I mean, I I, I cut to the I cut to the chase, uh, Gino. I mean, oh, is he going? I just say, is he going to hell? You know, I do. When someone I heard somebody I heard somebody say, I just walk. I, I'm just starting to just walk away. Let's, can I just get the rest of the people or not? I'm I'm sorry. It's not the flesh wants to win, brother. You know I love you. Well, yeah, but, you know, again, to me, discernment matters. You Mm -hmm. know, when Joel Osteen says, we have to conceive it on the inside before we're ever going to receive it on the outside. If you don't think you can have something good, then you never will. The barrier is your mind, your own wrong thinking about God's best. Now, you know what? If if he is a, a life coach, great. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking for a person who's going to preach and teach the gospel. He sounds like an inspirational life coach. And again, to your point, here's what Jesus said. He said, all authority has been given to him in heaven and earth. Jesus reserves the right to know who's going to go to heaven and who's going to go to earth or hell. And, And you've heard me say repeatedly, as simple as this sounds, people go to heaven because they have a right relationship with God and Christ. People go to hell because they don't. So we're, we're uh, writing him off as someone that's going to be in the abyss. I am not writing him off. I am saying I don't have the authority one way or the other to make that judgment. But I got to go. But I know that I know. <laughs> oh, Daniel, what can I say? I got to go.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.